I want to look at a term this morning called son of man. It's used by Jesus referring to himself in the New Testament. And to just note that it is not a normal man that we're talking about, but it's a phrase that was picked up out of Daniel. Uh, I'd like to show you a video by Bible Project that, uh, yeah, they're great. I love them. So uh, we're going to play that and then we'll go on from there. If you read the New Testament, you'll notice that the most common title people use to describe Jesus is the Christ, that is, the Messiah. But surprisingly, Jesus almost never used that word to describe himself. Instead, he called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man, what does that mean? Well, the phrase comes from an important chapter in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was an Israelite prisoner of war who was forced to live in the empire of Babylon and work for the prideful, violent king who destroyed his home. That sounds horrible. And while he was living and working in Babylon, Daniel had this crazy prophetic dream. You ready for it? I'm ready. He saw four beasts crawling out of a dark sea, hybrid monster-like animals, each scarier than the one before. And the fourth beast is so mutant, there's nothing to compare it to. And it's violent, leaving death and destruction in its wake. What in the world is this about? Well, he's told that these beasts symbolize violent, prideful kings and their empires. Oh, like the one Daniel's enslaved to. Yeah, and these creatures might seem random to you, but these images are developing an important biblical theme. How humans are these remarkable creatures capable of doing great good and horrible evil. How we can behave like animals. Right. Look at the first pages of the Bible. God creates the beasts of the field and humans together, all from the dust. But then the humans are set apart and given a royal task of being God's image. So humans are like the animals, but called to become much more. Yeah, they're to be God's representatives on earth, ruling on his behalf like kings and queens. But keep reading, and the humans are deceived by a beast who says that they could be more than just God's partners. Yeah, that they could rule the world on their own terms, which sounds good to them. But God knows this will be a disaster. And so he expels the humans to the realm of the beasts. The partnership is lost. But God makes a promise that one day a human will be born who won't give in to the beast. Rather, he'll overcome and strike the beast while being struck by it. Okay, so for the rest of the biblical story, we're waiting for that human. But instead, in story after story, we find people acting like beasts. Yeah, like in the next story about Cain. He was jealous and angry at his brother Abel. God warns Cain that he's facing a beastly urge called sin, a dark, mysterious kind of evil that consumes humans. But God says that Cain can rule the beast if he chooses. But he doesn't rule the beast. He lets this urge devour him, and he becomes a beast. And then after this, Cain's children spread their animal-like violence, and it leads to the founding of a whole civilization known for its beastly pride, the city of Babylon. Okay, Babylon. So fast forward, this is where Daniel is enslaved, having this bizarro dream. Exactly. Now, watch what happens next in Daniel's dream. He sees into God's throne room where a court is set up and God condemns the beast to destruction. That's great. And then Daniel sees that there's actually more than one divine throne. Oh, right, the throne that humanity left behind. Right, there hasn't been a human who's able to overcome the beast and rule alongside God until now. Daniel sees a figure called the Son of Man, which means a human. 
and he rides on a cloud up into God's presence and then sits down on the divine throne to rule the world. The partnership's renewed. Yes, and even more, all humanity worships and serves this son of man alongside God. Oh, worship? So this is no ordinary human. This is like a God human. Exactly. And so now you can see why Jesus of Nazareth, when he came onto the scene centuries later, chose this title, the Son of Man, for himself. He was claiming to be that truly human one on a mission to confront the beast. He was tempted to seize power on the beast's terms. But unlike every human before him, Jesus resisted the urge. And then he went about banishing the beast from people's lives. And he was teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled by it. Okay, so how do you rule the beast? Well, Jesus did it by giving up his life. Wait, rule the beast by dying? Yes. When Jesus was on trial in a human courtroom and being condemned to death, he said, From this moment on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at God's right hand and coming on the clouds. But this is the moment he's about to die. Exactly. From one perspective, the cross looks like a beastly torture device, but Jesus viewed it as his throne. And on this throne, he exposed the subhuman nature of our evil by letting it do its worst, and then he overcame it with his divine life and love. Jesus' execution was his exaltation. So Jesus is the first human to overcome the beast, and as a result, he can partner with God to rule the world. And so now, Jesus is summoning a new humanity into existence, one that can overcome the beast in the same paradoxical way. To rule the beast by dying. And then by discovering that Jesus' life and power can become our life and power. So we can rule the world as God's partners, but Jesus-style, in the power of service, humility, and self-giving love. They have a lot of videos. Um, they'll cover all the books of the Bible, and uh, very well done. I, I would draw you pictures, but uh, I have to cheat at Pictionary and, and still lose. <laughs> and, uh, but it'd be great if some of you artsy-fartsy ones would uh, take on projects like this. Anyway, uh, just a couple verses out of Daniel. And just show you where that came from. Daniel chapter 7 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So in this, you know, we're seeing Daniel say, there is a coming kingdom that will be different than anything you've ever known. And it'll have the authority of God. It'll have the, the blessing of God upon it, and it's going to last eternally. So when we look at that, and, and the Old Testament writers wrote it down, Jesus picks up on that term, and it's used specifically of him. In fact, John the Baptist was told when he was looking for the Messiah. He was told, uh, you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so he, he was aware that he was looking for someone as he was baptizing people, and this would be the Messiah that they had all dreamed of. So even though they had been hundreds of years in this wait, 
when Jesus came, it was noted he was unique compared to all others. Now, one of the things that, you know, we, we look at it at times, you know, people say, well, Jesus was just an ordinary person or he was human, you know, and so, you know, why all this hubbub about Jesus? Why is he unique? And yet when you start looking at this and saying, well, for thousands or for hundreds of years, excuse me, they had been anticipating his coming. Then when he comes in a unique way and fulfills prophecy and he's making these declarations, he truly is opening a door for something unique to all the rest of us. He's opening the door for reconciliation to God. That's why we consider him special apart from all others and different from other faiths and religions. So anyway, let's move on. Jesus makes this declaration about this himself, saying, no one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So again, there's this declaration. He says, I came from heaven. I'm not just an ordinary person. When he's healing the paralytic, Jesus, a paralytic man is brought to Jesus, and, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes on and heals the man, but he's letting him know the healing is one thing, and it's not that special to me. He says, what I want really to happen in your life is I want to set you free from your sin. And so even though they're preoccupied, just like we are, when somebody gets healed, it's like, wow, you know, in, in this day and time? And yet he's saying there is something even grander to take place in that we have the hope of our sins being forgiven in Christ. So he, he makes those declarations. And then even as uh, people are challenging him in different times, he makes this declaration. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, for God to make the rules about the Sabbath, we have no problem with that. When he was walking on earth as a normal human, people are looking around and going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this now? And, he, and he's just saying, I have the right and authority over religious practice, even as the Son of Man. So he goes on, and he says, he walked in harmony with God, where he says, so Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father has taught me. Just like this video was saying, God wants us to bring us into his image again. He wants us to be like him. Jesus was saying, I speak what the Father says. I, I have his thoughts about me. And I guess our desire and our hope as we grow in Christ is that more and more our thinking would be like Christ. And then when we respond, we have the opportunity of, of acknowledging that what we're speaking is really what God would have us speak. What we're dreaming is what he would have us dream. What we're pursuing is what he would have us pursue. There's a linking of that together so that that the very power of God is a part of our lives in that moment. <coughs> Jesus prophesied about his death, and he gave several declarations. He said, just as Moses has lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's interesting that if you look at it, you say, well, a symbol was set up so that they could look at it and find healing. This experience in the wilderness when snakes had come in among them, it was supernatural, the healing. It wasn't ordinary. But what Jesus is looking back and what we look at is that he was taking power over the serpent, Satan, when he was being lifted up himself. 
And so there's a blending of those two stories that's kind of amazing. Furthermore, he gives another illustration. He says, Jonah was in the whale. He says, I'll be in the earth three days and three nights. He's predicting his death and resurrection. Now, Luke chapter 19, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And that's what it gives hope for you and I. It's not that we have to, to fix our image and work harder and harder to become like God so that, that he will save us. But he came to seek and save us, what? While we were lost, right? So he comes and addresses the issues in our life. He comes to us where we are, and he begins to take on the things that need to change and begin to mold us into his image. But the declaration, the Son of Man, what was his purpose? To seek and to save the lost. There are times when we feel like the beast is a part of me. We feel like there are times when I don't want to step into these things, but I know that that's the path I'm bent on. And the hope that we have in Christ is that his transformation of our hearts will change the very way that we live. What an awesome thing it is when we can look back and see things that that we're a part of our lives that just aren't anymore. When we can look back and we say, you know, I used to be jealous of everyone all the time when something good happened, but you know what? He's taught me how to rejoice when blessing comes to others. He's taught me how to participate in that and celebrate his goodness because I know that that same goodness is a part of my life and that the good things that he desires to place into my life will happen in their time in the appropriate way and I can trust him with this. We can look at it at things like anger and say, you know, I used to always blow up, and I used to harbor this anger for days and days, and yet somehow he's taught me how to release that thing. And we look at it and we go, I don't know how that took place. I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I tried it on my own and it just didn't change, but now it's, it's gone. Some of us can look at our, our things of, of lust and such and just say, He's transforming our lives. He's changed us. It's amazing. What a wonderful thing. In Matthew 20, it says, Even as the Son of Man came to to not be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, carrying on this idea of seeking and saving the lost is also so that he says, I came to buy back those who had sold themselves into sin. I came to restore and to give life. He says, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. He says, what needs to come from us is this declaration and willingness to say, I've yielded my life unto him. And then he says, he will acknowledge us as well. In John 6, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, they, he had just fed the 5,000, and there's this hope that he will become the, the king that they want, and he will take care of them all the time. And he's saying there's more to this than that. He says, but you need to take your life into, into your, my life into you so that you can participate in the eternal life that I share. And so what we take is we say, as I embrace Christ, as I allow him to give birth of his spirit into me, then there is this eternal seed that is planted and grows into eternity. And I have that eternal life 
with him. It says in John 5, as he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And so as God's saying, I have given my Son authority over all people. Matthew 16, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of the Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. So the hope that we hold is that just as Christ was resurrected and is now with the Father, we have this hope of his return. The declaration is made, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. And then in Mark 13, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Son of Man will be in his day. And from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. When Stephen was being martyred and he had followed Christ and he's laying down his life the same way, he has this vision of heaven. So even in the moment of his death, when he is, he's dying and, and most of us would be saying, what an awful, awful thing. And, you know, with the pain, and be, that'd be our preoccupation. It wasn't Stephen's preoccupation. In that moment, he's saying, I see the Son of Man. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. He's saying, I, I see this eternal situation that's, that is there, and I see what's coming. And, and he's not caught up in the, in the temporal, but even in that moment, the eternal is powerful in his life. So as I, I, I read through those things, and I think about it, I'm going, we have tied into something amazing. You know, it may be that you were home this Christmas and maybe you got back on track or maybe you had one of those horrible times and you're just going, I can't wait to get back to school and get started again. It, it, it goes both ways, right? We have this hope that we cling to. And whether it was failure or just getting back on track, it, it, we have opportunity today to have his transformation power come into our lives and turn us from the people that we've been to the people that we shall become in him. And the hope that we have is this, as he is, life is welded into us and, and as we are transformed, that this is just the temporal phase of going into the eternal that's been promised. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, these prophecies are made and declarations made. There's one coming, the Son of Man. He's going to be unique. Keep your eyes open. Watch for him. We look back and we say, well, several thousand years ago it happened. We have this continued hope saying, just as those things were accurate, just as those things came true, so he will come again one day, splitting the clouds, and we will be united with him. What a wonderful thing that is. Stand with me, will you? If you're wrestling with the claims of Christ, as long as you're open and honest in your searching, he will find you. And just as some of you are saying, you know, there's something I know that's true here, but I just don't know how to get started then you need to make that step and find someone that you trust and just begin that process. If you're making your way back to him, 
Well, then just know he came to seek and save the lost, and he's there for you. So as we continue in worship, what remains is open-ended. I'm going to pray for God's blessing. If you would like prayer, I'd encourage you to come forward. It's easier for us. But also, there is something about making that declaration and statement saying, I'm going to participate in this. And it opens that door for God to speak into your heart. Dear Lord, I ask for each one here that they would know you. I ask that they would have a confidence in your scripture that speaks life. I ask that they would have a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming to seek and save the lost. Thank you for bringing restoration for our lives. Thank you that one day we can be united with you. Thank you that we are made in your image. We praise you this day. I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you. I'd encourage you, if you want prayer, now's the time to come up. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to be made into your image. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.